When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Hello and welcome to episode number 88 of the Bitterhead Supporters Trust podcast. Delighted to be back again this week. And this week I'm joined by Jerry O'Connor. Jerry, how are you? Yeah, grand running, thanks. Sean Dunn, how's things? All good running. And Shane McGoomagotter. Shane, what is the crack? All good running, cheers. Well, this week we'll look back on last Friday's 1-1 draw against Derry City at the Brandywell. We will hear your shouts from the shed end. We have two cases of the White Hag to give away and as well as that Sligo Rovers chairman Tommy Higgins stops by to bring us up to speed on what's going on with the showgrounds redevelopment. So Jerry I suppose first of all start with yourself um brand new on Friday night 1-1 draw Derry um your initial reaction from the game on Friday night? Uh, my initial reaction is that probably a bit disappointed um have not collected three points um I know on the balance of play, one always probably a fair result, but just when you get ahead, you always like to kind of hold out um, for the last 20 minutes or so. Look, starting the game uh, took us a while to go into it, but yeah, um, just on the other side of it then, and sure, look, we'll talk more about it. It's just disappointment that two lads have been injured. Um, it's just a consistent problem up there, isn't it? It's really, like whatever about the results, you feel really really bad for for the two lads that are injured and then sean mcintyre as well then yesterday so that's the human side to the game isn't it and it's it's a tough one really tough and touching the game sean it was you could say weathered the storm for the first 25 minutes definitely Ron, it definitely weathered the storm because i think that's the way we've seen rory higgins teams approach games now is really batter teams for the first 10 15 minutes and try and get an early goal or that so it's a real constant up there but um Russell played his cards right. We absorbed the pressure. I don't think we really, really looked in massive danger at all, even throughout that that spell. Um, you know, the, it won. A, I think one or two okay chances early on, but I think we were comfortable enough. And then I think we grew into the game as it went on. And I think overall, we're probably the better side on the ball. They had more possession throughout the game, but I actually thought we were the better team on the ball. I think we played better football and created the better chances. And we go touch on the goal came after twenty five minutes, but it was it's the goal. You know, the the lead up to the goal was was I suppose shows what we're all about once again this season. Yeah, um, hundred percent, and that's why we when we were speaking last week about um, we were saying that uh, just why we were kind of confident that we'd get something away from home because of. The, the lads that we have in the break and the way we can play and hit teams on the break and I think the goal was a perfect example of it you know Hartman with a little bit of trickery and stuff out in the right and then spreading the play and Reese backing up Will down on the overlap and a great ball in like and a great finish from Matt on the back post peeling away to the back post like and it was just it was a great team goal overall uh, lovely flow and move up the pitch and I think that's 
it shows what we're capable of. Really does, and and it's the same like for Bogdan's chance after they equalised, it was the same ball up to Mala laid back, and the third man runner in Bogdan, uh, out to back, and that's I think that's, I think away from home we're gonna be really, uh, really tough, really fucking dangerous on the break for any team that we play away from home, and uh, it's just a pity that with Bogdan we didn't finish that chance, but I think. We will get more of them chances in, in games and I think more often than not the, the calibre player we have we finish them and so you know that if you're there's so much talk before the game you know we haven't had a test so far we haven't you know people saying it's a good start and other people saying oh but we haven't played anybody and we, we were lucky against QCD and we're just, like that's a real test to go up to the Brandywell and to come away disappointed with a point I think goes well for the season and, and just shows the the potential within the within the team, I think. And Jerry, can we touch on as well the fact I suppose when John Mahan got the yellow card, you know, there was a lot of talk about the decision made by the referee, but I suppose it was disappointing that, you know, seeing John getting the start, he was starting, but I suppose getting the yellow card early on then put put a limit on to what his performance could be for the remaining time he was on the pitch. Yeah, um I suppose um his season has been a little bit more stop-start than what we would have liked. Definitely more than what he would have liked. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to take him time to adjust to, back to, to playing in the, the League of Ireland, probably not being away, let, let away with little things that, as much as maybe he would have been in Scotland. Um, but having said that, you know, it is going to take time. Um, we do need him, you know, Um we de- we definitely do need him because we're starting to run short on defenders now, um, and as I said before, he'd be the, in my opinion, he should be the first man on on the team sheet, and we really really do need him if we want to break into that top four. And that's no disrespect to anybody, but as we've seen, you know things can change very very quickly in terms of injuries and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you're really really down to the bare bones. So, um, I suppose look, he got a half against what was against Pats, he got the same against Derry, so hopefully we can just kind of. He can keep building into that, and you know, as I said, we need we need John Mahan to break into that top four. So, um, yeah, it did limited what obviously what he can do because you're living on a knife edge, and then that's obviously the reason why John Russell has taken him off to protect him and to to protect the team. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's the right decisions were made by the the manager at half time and. We got better and better and better, and fair play to Clancy. Not easy coming in, um, but he's done a great job again. So fair play. I think it's a big call by Russell as well. You know, to take John off at halftime because most managers could look at that as a situation where they could get John in and have a chat with him at halftime, get him to maybe calm down a little bit, and you know maybe see out see can he see out the rest of the second half without getting another booking. But whereas John yeah. just took the proper approach, maybe and just take him out of the firing zone altogether. He's got, a, he's got a half of football under his belt away in Derry, you know, hit the reset button again and he's he's good to go for balls now. Yeah, so, that's ex- that's exactly it. Like, because, you know, God forbid he did get sent off and you just don't know. You know, look, you can be, you could get an unlucky yellow card, you might possibly yeah. get a deserved yellow card. You just don't know with the referees. There's no point taking that gamble and getting a, a further suspension. So I think the sensible thing to do uh, was to take him off at halftime and I'm sure he understands that himself and you know you need to protect each player uh, in each situation I think it was the right thing to do so yeah I was, I was just going to say I think in some 
in some people's eyes, he probably would be lucky to get to half time with that handball. Mm. So, like another another referee would have would have ran him for that. So, it was a hundred percent the right call by Russell. In fairness, I think with John, he's kind of he's kind of trying to run before he can walk, and I think that he's he's trying to be back to where he was yeah. a year and a half ago. But like he's not going to get that straight away. Like he obviously needs to match fitness and 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 the games and all under his back as well. So where he is. The sharpness, yeah, and in, in the brain as well as in the legs. But um, you know, like little things like that. The book where they where they had the goal pulled back, um, and they were fuming about it. Like you would be really pissed off, like if you were a very fan, obviously. But you know, John, he was so short now, in fairness, with the with with Fischer's ball. But you know, it was probably one where a year and a half ago, John would have clattered it. He would have won the ball. He would have taken man and all with one of those really strong challenges, and we would have moved on. And he was just that's a natural game. That's obviously what he was trying to do. Get in and win the ball ahead of the striker. But like it's it's just a situation where I think, you know, for a few weeks he probably just needs to maybe alter his game and, and just you know, to kind of curb his, his tendencies, his natural instincts a wee bit until he plays himself in to, to fitness and sharpness, I think. It's just about doing the very basics now, isn't it? Right, for the first couple of weeks. Do all your simple bits. Even, you know, where he gets caught at Pat's it's it's doing something you're not even used to seeing John Man doing. Where again is a it's a good point by you, Dermot, where he's running before he can crawl, and it's you know he doesn't need to do that step over, just like he probably doesn't need to make that tackle the other night. But he yeah, wants think, it. Yeah. That's his instinct is to be like he's a top centre half. Top players want to play at the top of their game. They don't want to take baby steps. They want to step out and be at the top level. They know they can play at so. It's it's probably frustrating in his own head because he's and you can even see he is frustrated when you see him coming off for that. He knows he's not at the at the stage he needs to be because fitness wise, I don't think I've seen John Mahan look better. Yeah, but it's it's come, I suppose going back to that sharpness again, isn't it? And just game game time on the pitch. But I think he hit the nail on the head there, Sean, just in terms of frustration. Like you go, you, you leave here what the guts three years ago as the best defender in the league, and yeah. you come back, you you kind of probably feel like you've lost an awful lot of time, but you nearly expect to come back the way you were before you went. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I'm sure, you know, we all... That's expectation on his shoulders as well. Yeah, so, like, I, and I'd say, yeah, look, we're probably not helping in terms of talking about expectation, but I'm sure he's got his own expectation too, so uh, probably nobody, nobody bigger uh, bigger critic than, him, than himself. Uh, but you can't go away best defender and expect to come back and be the same player it just you know especially when you haven't played much in between those times it just doesn't happen it just takes time um, and I know I'm saying like we need him we, need him. we do need him um, but that's not to just throw him in willy nilly either like you know, that's obviously not going to happen but yeah at some point look, look his time will come too like it's gonna, it's a long season we're only five or six games in so absolutely and Jerry will be a better manager I don't think um, than Russell to deal with him as well because he will He'll take him aside. He'll have proper chats with him. You know, he'll reassure him that he's on the right path. He'll know exactly physically he's up to it. It's just about minutes in the legs for John now, and that's coming. Like personally, I'd love to see Rovers have a friendly this week. I think it's a perfect opportunity for Mahan, Lafferty, Finnerty. There's a couple others that maybe Haney that haven't had that many minutes yet this season. You know, a behind closed doors friendly be do some players the world of good. Because, you know, there are a couple of injuries as well that are coming into the squad. I know we're getting on to that later on, but I just think there's a, 
there is an opportunity to maybe do something. I'm sure John and Ryan would have thought of that anyway. They're not going to listen to this podcast and think, you know, there's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I like to say that personally. I just think it would do man the world of good. If he, you know, if he get out in there for get 90 minutes and under the legs, I just because I, I don't think he's that far away from it either. That's the thing. No, probably a bit of confidence too. Like, it's like as Jerry was saying, he hasn't played much in the year. Like, his confidence will have taken a huge knock as well. Then descending off at top of that, now getting taken off at half time, they'll all be chipping away at his confidence. Like, so as you say, Sean, the more minutes he gets on the pitch, the more the more 90 minutes he gets on the pitch, and the more things he does well, it'll it'll. Build back up his confidence and get him back to where he was before he left. And that's can we touch on as well the ability to hold it out? I know the conceding the goal was disappointing, but the I suppose the likes of Greg Bulger kind of from from recent recent seasons, you know, people kind of called into question of whether or not Greg Bulger should be in the team or not. But certainly on on Friday night, Sean, he you know maybe say could roll back the years or it was just it was a, it was a a captain's performance from Greg Bulger on Friday evening. Oh, Bulger was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I think the slight complaints people have had this season is just the pairings in midfield. The two that's played beside each other. Not a case of if it's just oh, Bulger shouldn't be in the team or Browning shouldn't be in the team. I think it's just about getting the setup right of the collective midfield and how they play off each other and how they affect the play during the game. Like the other night there, I thought Bulger... Not that he ran the show, but he covered every blade of plastic blade of grass um, on the pitch. And he was he was top class, genuinely. And it's just his fitness levels this this season are far superior to anything we've seen over the last couple of years. Like You are seeing the Greg Bulger that was with Cork City and then went on to Shamrock Rovers. They're the kind of performances he's tur- turning in for us now. And like it's it's been said around the league, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people saying it, you know, how good he's been for us. Uh, you know, it's not going unnoticed. And I think, again, he's taken this responsibility of being a player coach. I think he's taken it very seriously. And I think it's really, really helped him this year. And I think we are seeing a completely different player. And it's only to our benefit. And I said it before, I think, after the Shams game, you know, you're seeing the Greg Bulger of the first six months under Buckley, where he came in, took the responsibility that he had to be the leader and guide this team. And that's kind of what we're getting again. I'm not saying he has to be the leader of this team, but he is, I suppose, between himself and Cauley, they're both their captains at a club. He's, we haven't seen Cauley yet, so it's more Greg at the moment. He is the team captain. He's, he's the man who's wearing the armband out on the pitch. And he's leading by example. He's not just barking orders. He's, he's going out and he's doing exactly as he's commanding of anyone else. You know, he's stepping up to the plate. And, you know, I, I think... Genuinely, I think he's going to be a huge part of anything we do well this season, both on and off the pitch. Yeah, look, it's it's a great opportunity for him, and I suppose um, he wants to grasp it with both hands, especially kind of coming towards the the twilight of your career. Not every um, player gets that opportunity, so it's it's brilliant for him. But also, I suppose, look, Greg's had his uh, you know injury problem there probably what two or three years ago with the the leg break, so maybe. He's got game time. He's got confidence back. He's got strength back. He's got a sharpness back that maybe took that little bit of time to to get there. Um, and even say that, saying that, like you know, when you say about someone in the twilight of their career, watching Man United in the Europe uh, Conference League there last week, and I can't remember who they were playing, but the captain for the other side was forty one playing uh, in the number ten role, 
So it just shows you, you can't be done if you look after yourself and um, do things the right way. So hopefully it's the, I suppose, the the rebirth or the renaissance of Greg Wilder for another couple of years. I think it's probably the first time, definitely coming into a season anyway, that he's been in shorts and he's been so fit. He hasn't been carrying it. Like he's had little niggles. They all have little niggles for yeah. but proper injuries. He hasn't really been carrying anything and he's it's allowed him definitely in pre-season to, to get up to full sharpness and fully fit and like you know you say leading by example like he is a leader like he wants to be the leader it's just his natural instinct and natural game like and if you suppose if you're not 100% fit and you're not doing the the job you can't really be barking to others and probably doesn't feel especially for a lad like that he probably doesn't feel that he's that's that he's fully given or fully Benefit the team, like if he's going back no orders at last, he can't do it himself. But now he's he's well able to chance to cover every fucking blade of plastic during the evening. Like he's he's I think I think since the start of the season he's been outstanding. Like I think he had one maybe dodgy half, but I think in every game he's played he's been brilliant. It's just it's constant of him as well is something that I said earlier in the season. Well, I think it was just after the Shams game because I think that was he was outstanding that night as well. Was you know people have been giving out about Greg getting silly, giving silly fouls away and getting silly bookings, just being laid into tackles. That's not happening this year, and that's definitely a credit to his fitness because he's that bit sharper. He's getting there that little bit earlier in the tackles and he's winning balls. But one thing I noticed with Greg is he just doesn't just win a tackle. He wins a tackle with purpose because when he wins the ball, it's gone in the second touch. It's gone. It's and it's gone to us. It's played. He's playing a pass. He's not just winning a tackle and second balls bouncing everywhere. He's constantly thinking. Like he's he is. A, you can see why he played at the top of the of the LOA. Like you can see why he's a quality quality footballer. And I think people underestimated it when he when he came here and kind of oh he's finished. He's coming here. Why is he coming here? But you can see why he's here now. You really can. We're we're really seeing the the best of him now. As I says we got until he got sent off over in Iceland, it kind of it dropped off that season then, and he got a little, he got a bit of an injury and stuff as well. And even last year he had the injury up in Derry actually, if you remember rightly. Remember he he got a got a bad injury on his leg on his shin was something happened. Remember he got a bad out tackle. Yeah, yeah. He went for a good while with that as well. Yeah. So he's got a proper preseason under his belt now, and he is he's flying and look I. I as I says already, look, I think he's just going to be a big player for us this year. And one player who has been brilliant as well for us so far this season and will probably continue to be is uh, Fabrice Hartman. Jerry, do you want to touch on his his performance the last day in Derry? Yeah, um, it's not often one of our players gets highlighted by, say, the likes of the LOI Central podcast, putting clips up on on Twitter and, and Instagram and stuff like that. So it's great to see. Uh, Well-deserved as well. Um, I think Magoo called it out there. Last week, he said he was going to rip it up in, in Derry and the big pitch would suit us and suit him in particular. And he's certainly done that. And even as big as the pitch is when he was in tight space, it's like for, for a goal. Um, You know, he sent, I don't know, half a dozen of them to Tesco um, and just, you know, spread the play. And, you know, uh, probably we keep we keep putting in goals, goal, goal of the month contenders, but that's probably goal of the season contender if you put it all together like the way I think we started off with the goalkeeper we went right then left then left to right back post 
and Mata finishes. But um, yeah, exceptional talent, exceptional talent. I just hope we can hold on to him for the for the entire season, um, and I hope the hope everybody's working hard just to keep him to keep him here to the end of the season. As I say, like I think it'd be, I don't know if it'd be. Look, I'm obviously wearing Rovers tinted glasses here now, but I don't think playing two months for us would be. I don't think you get the full benefit out of it. I think you really would need to get, you know, a full season under your belt to go back to, to Leipzig and, and do yourself justice. Um, I think he's only starting. He's only starting, you see, to show what he can actually do. And I think if he gets the full season under the belt, he's just going to be an absolute sensation. And better to go back being an absolute sensation than going back after two months and uh, not really showing what you could have done. Or, so, look, at the end of the day, I know Sean or we were talking about there beforehand, you know, like, like he's a cut way above us, but let, you know, and he's not going to be here on a permanent basis. And as I said, I don't want, I would, I'd hate to see him sign here on a permanent basis. It'd be an absolute travesty if he was here on a permanent basis, but I think the best thing for him would be to get as much game time under your belt as possible. Go back with your, you know, your chest pumped out, your, your confidence on a high, um, and have that game time on your belt and then go back to Leipzig. So, you know, he's 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 a sensational player. Well he's in like he'd be he'd be in if he stays for the season, like you're talking player of the league territory, like yeah. He's he's that good. Like he's he's like in my opinion he'd be he'd be the top player in the league, like talent wise and anyway, ability wise. If he was to play like he has been playing, as you suggest, he'd only get better. Like, what a better way to go back to Leipzig than with a player, player of the year trophy in your hand. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Hundred percent. Like, yeah, you know, two months, three months, whatever it is, you know, it's not enough. You're only getting started then. Um, yeah, and it doesn't make sense the fact that he sat out six months of it. Yeah. So bear, bear in mind, he's only started the last two games, hasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and we're in late March now already, with a little bit of a break. We'll have April, we'll have another break coming up in June. You know, he'll, he won't really have played that much by the time his loan will officially come to an end. So hopefully, look, it's it's just a matter of signing the signing the forms and it could all be done. And we're, we're talking mm. pointless conversation here. But to stay on Hartman and on his performance the other night, like he is a maverick, isn't he? And he's given that freedom on the pitch to do as he pleases. Yeah. And you know he he is told go out there and you're the difference maker, and you be the difference maker by what you decide is the right thing to do on the pitch, on the night on the, in that moment, because even for the goal, it's such an easy thing to do as a winger to maybe just lay that pass off because he's surrounded by three fellas, he could easily pass that ball back to the back line, find find either the the right back or pa- play it back into the centre halves. It's an easy, he's out of trouble. He doesn't give the ball away. Job yeah. done. We move on. But he doesn't. He still sees that there's an opportunity to get an attack going. And as Jerry O'Reilly says, he sends three of them to the shop and they're gone and the pitch opens up in front of him. But it's then it's the delivery of the pass out to Fitzgerald. It's quality. Every last aspect of that goal is quality. And he starts it. And even later on in the game, he does a Barakamp esque trick where he flicks it round yeah. the player one way and he goes yeah. the other. And it's just, I, I was just watching it. And when I was half stained when I was watching it, so <laughs> my reaction was even more exaggerated. <laughs> I stood up off the chair. I just couldn't believe what I'd say. Like, and I, I thought to myself, that won't be as good when I watch it back tomorrow. 
And I watched the back was even better. Yeah. Like, but like what you said there, Sean, like that's the difference between like just staying on the goal, never mind the kind of the flicks and tricks in terms of, you know, do we set out yeah. on the, the far line, you know, which is unbelievable. But I think that's diff- the, the, the on the goal, that's the difference between a good player and a very good player in that, as you said there, he could have passed it off. Right, I've done my job. I've kept the ball for the team. But it was either sideways or backwards. And, you know, like, at the end of the day, most players at this level, you know, that's kind of, it's one, two, three, isn't it? But yeah. it's to stay on the ball and make things happen. And we would have talked about this before in the past about being brave. You know, not just passing it off. You know, doing what you're capable of doing and taking that chance. And fair enough, if you give the ball away, so what? You're going to give the ball away every now and again. But you're not hurting teams by just passing off or laying off. And that's the difference between a good player and a very, very good player. And, you know, Hartman can be a great player. Uh, it's all in his locker, isn't it? And it's something we haven't had in the past, uh, Jerry. And it's something that we've been very critical of on the pod is, you know, we are we have been in the past very safe as a side and it's been very easy to play against Liger Rovers at times. Because of simple situations like that, when we give the ball back to the to the back four and allow teams to step back up on us, and then it's just a case of us p- passing it to and fro over the back line, and it's just boring, methodical, yeah, going nowhere football, and fans get on the backs and everything. But that's the player you need, especially when you're in a situation here where we're building a new team, and to be honest, we're building a new culture at the club. Everything. You, you need players like that involved where it gets fans up off their seats and it just brings a pure positivity because it just reminds everyone of playing a child out playing football on the street, really. Yeah, that's fun element. Yeah, and it's just everyone loves a player like Hartman. Now, I think we have a couple of yeah, a couple of players like that within the squad. Yeah, and, and I think like it's, up, it's up to them now. Like, like, I think it's good as well that when other players see like other players be like oh my god that's ridiculous you know what he's done there oh you know but there's definitely players like there was nothing again staying on the goal there was nothing there that only any other players couldn't do either like it's not like he was doing pirouettes on top of the ball or anything he was just staying on the ball being brave quick feet and there's as you said Sean there's there's plenty more in the squad that are capable of doing that and maybe once they see him doing it and say well do you know what I can do that too and maybe Again, changing kind of the culture uh, of of the the thinking within the team is that like being a little bit braver and being a little bit more kind of on the front foot and being a bit more fun without being, you know, Careless. crazy or anything like that. You know, I think it's though it's 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 the fact that the manager the manager will let them express themselves too. They're allowed to go and, and enjoy themselves and express themselves yeah. and, pitch and, play, and play with freedom and stuff like that. You know, as, as Russell said himself, well, he's on about... Uh, it wasn't exactly that situation, but he's on about risk and reward. But it's the same as that. Like, let Hartman express himself, even if he is in his own half and stuff, because if if he has the ball, does it ten times, and two times it creates an opportunity and opens up the space for us, then... That hopefully will lead to chances being created and goals being scored. And that's what you have to. It's that's the risk of reward, isn't it? Like because he lost the goal, or he lost the ball for trying something similar, or leading up to the corner for Derry's equaliser. So that's yeah. the whole balance. Like, like it's you have to, you have to just kind of, you know, it's the, it's the payoff. Like, yeah. And I think I think with Hartman, he's that good and he's that much ability that you will get more reward. Then, then, bad, bad, out of him. You know what I mean? To be more good than bad. 
you need to try these different like the league in fairness to the standard when the league has really moved on like and you need guys like that to be doing things like that because you know defenders are so good now um formations are so good rigid you know keeps keep teams keep their shape they don't cough up the ball very much um you know so chances aren't just going to happen you know it happens by design and that kind of risk and reward so you have to be doing things like that to create chances and again going back to what I think you said yourself at the start Magoo, was that like um, you know look they had a lot more possession than what we did but we I think it was yourself Magoo, or it could have been Sean but we carved out more opportunities than probably what they did um, and we looked for all the possession they had I don't think they really had anything up top that was you know looked like it was going to trouble us Um we were very comfortable, Jerry. Very comfortable, yeah. Yeah. I think it showed, I think, top to bottom, you know, I think, you know, front to back, we were very, very comfortable and I think we were set up really, really well. Uh, I think just, we had a lot of things nailed down on the night that, you know, a lot of things were, like the Brandywell is going to be a horrible place to go for people. Not just due to the fact that they're your quality, but also down to the pitch and everything else that goes with it. You know, it's a hostile fan base up there as well. You know, they're really behind their team this year. Naturally, there's a big buzz up there. But, you know, I just thought we dealt with it really well uh, the other night. And even, like, you look again at Mata. Like, Jesus, he's outstanding. Yeah. And that's fun. And again, and I think someone who's flown under the radar and hasn't really got the recognition after the last night was Bogdan. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, apart from that miss. Yeah, I think you have to be put. You have to be hitting the target minimum. Have yeah. to be. Do you know what I mean? Again, unbelievable chance carved out. One-on-one on one with the keeper. And he does brilliant. I, and he's away. And I don't know, is he going for that? He's nearly going for too good of a finish to just, you know, he's looking to skin the post nearly by putting it in. Yeah. Right? Oh, he doesn't even have to do it. It could be a sloppy finish. Just put the ball away. Yeah. Yeah, he had yeah. a long walk back to the to the uh, to the dugout after that. He was oh, just shaking yeah. his head the whole way. I'd see he was nearly dizzy by the time he got back there. But if you look at any of his um, his video packages and stuff like that, and all of his stuff on White Scout, like you look at his finishing, and it's <laughs> it's quality stuff. You see, nine times out of ten, and that's it was situations like that. I was looking forward to seeing him in because you're just thinking, yeah, he'd slot that. Yeah. And Jesus, that. I don't know, did it come too quick after the goal or something like that? I don't know. And, you know, Lafferty pulling up, the, the, or not Lafferty, um, McElhenney pulling up with something that that throw him off slightly. I don't know. Did it, yeah. But it's just... That's just one of those things. Just, you know, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially uh, away from far, home. His first start as well, I suppose. Like, and yeah. He, uh, you know, and I suppose it was a bit of, it was a bit of pressure on like, you have so much time to think about it running in the goal like that. Sean says back then, he was just on his own for, for 10 or 15 yards and it's probably so much going through his head to be a hero on the first start just after the equalise, all that. And the pitch didn't help neither. It never stopped bouncing. Yeah. A hop, skip and a jump, isn't it? The ball is just... Yeah, it doesn't run on the surface. Yeah. I think there's um, a lot of good elements out of him though. I think he's... He's really, really good on the ball. I think we're going to see... It. There's another fella that's only going to improve over time as well. Yeah. Um, I think he might frustrate people in one way because I don't think you're going to get him busting his bollocks running around the pitch, closing down players or anything like that. I think he is going to be a bit of a, a slight luxury player. 
but I think in the right way. He's not going to be a fellow that does nothing. Like, he will work for the side, don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to be the type of player that you need as an outlet. That you don't want him chasing back and tracking players all the time. You kind of need him up there as close to matter as possible to play off him at times because I think if you can get him on the ball in space, like, he can carve teams apart. Yeah. He has that little bit that little bit of vision that we need and that bit of creativity as well that you want in a number 10. And uh, he's he's going to be important going forward because even there was there against Cork when he comes on, there's one little bit of play out of him that I just thought was outstanding. There's a ball flicked in. And he just he finds the way with a space with his head through for Levac, and it's just there's just slightly too much on it. Levac can't get it. It's right at the end of the game. I think if Levac gets a touch, we'll win the game. The slot at home will win the game. But Bogdan just finds that little bit of space in between two central defenders with his head and just glides it through. Just too much on it. It's just those little bits of quality that are going to be so important for us going forward. And you, it's another one, it's clear as day as to why Russell brought him in. Yeah. You see where he fits into the whole system. Just on the crowd there as well, just from, I suppose, a home, home and away point of view, like on the away crowd, you know, there was 300 travel up on St. Patrick's night from Sligo, which is phenomenal support. Like, uh, for the night that's in it and, and that so like our away crowds have been even despite LOI TV our away crowds have really bounced back um, this season which is great to see and I know uh, Forza have a coach already sold out for Dundalk away and they're advertising another bus so that's you know there's there's a there's a good buzz and people are enjoying the football and uh, but on the other side of it then I suppose the, I noticed I noticed actually quite a lot of Derry City fans uh, comment on how uh, quiet the atmosphere was um, in the game against ourselves and I suppose if you go back to the, the interview that we had with JP Fahey last week the Derry City fan he, he nearly couldn't nearly contain his excitement um, talking about the team and the squad and everybody else should be and I don't mean this in a bad way or anything like that but he was saying like you know if I was a fan of another League of Ireland side I'd be very very scared uh, at all the signings that we're making that they're making um, and he's right too in fairness but I think there's, it'll be interesting to see how the season goes along if Derry aren't uh, beating teams and beating them well. Um, will that kind of frustration creep in there uh, and that expectancy that he was talking about there last week? Um, and that could, you know, and I suppose what I was trying to say to him, I was asking last week is that, you know, it has the fans' mindset changed in terms of like, um, going into games where they're hoping to win or they might slightly be expecting they're going to win but now they're expecting to win every single game and if that doesn't work out for them you know how does that affect the crowd and in terms of the atmosphere and how does it feed into the team and stuff like that so sometimes um, less is more maybe uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes along there the, the, the mindset and the culture like what we were talking about has changed here but it's definitely changed up there too and I don't know if it'll be all for the good. Um, yeah, so that'd be so, interesting. Sometimes it's better, Jerry, to get a slow build. Yeah. You know, you can get too much too soon. And, you know, you, when you get handed all those riches and all those players just start arriving at your doorstep and, you you know, sometimes you're thinking, right, we should just be cleaning up now and hoovering up. Like, yeah. even in some respects, as mad as it sounds, like even winning a cup last year mightn't have been a good thing in some ways. Yeah. Go back to the Cup Paul Cook area, you know, I suppose the, the Fingal Cup defeat 
Um, of course, we would all would have loved to that, but in hindsight, and look, it's never a good thing to lose a cup final, but it might have been the like kind of what you're saying there, it might have been the best thing to happen to us. Hunger us, give us hunger and yeah, create you know, a give us something to, yeah, motivate. You know, like because they're now in a situation where you know that that was Higgins' first full season in charge, and there's there's a trophy at the end of it. That's the expectation going forward now, where there has to be a trophy at the end of every season. That's not always possible. But also, what it's done with, with all the money is it's not only the expectation of you know when when they're turning up to, when the fans are turning up to the Brandywell, the expectation is we're going to win, get three points out of this. They're going to be expecting to win well. They're yeah. going to expect to win well, like they're. We've, you know, here comes Sligo Rovers up. We have six times their budgets. We should be beating these by three or four. And when that... Oh, and that's, football doesn't work like that, though. It does, no. And especially yeah. not on... Like, I know we haven't touched them yet. We're going to... But that pitch... That pitch is not going to help them in any shape or form. And it's not going to allow them for this free, free-flowing football that the fans are going to want to see. And it's not really Higgins' style neither, that free-flowing... And, like, that's the kind of thing that could... As you said, Jerry, you start to unravel very quickly and start to backfire. They'll start getting the, the fans will start getting annoyed and they start getting on Higgins' back and you know you know, like stuff like that could unravel a season. Starting yeah. off with that pitch, like Yeah, I suppose on the pitch, lads. Yeah. Um yeah, it's rolling the pitch. Like I don't know. I think uh, Magoo, you put up that um the uh the article that was in the Derry Journal there in January and just the FBI report on the pitch to say that, uh, you know, from a health and safety point of view, it really is reaching the end of its life. Um, I think it's used 35 hours per week, uh, week on week. Um, and that's, there's certain areas of the pitch where I know we were talking about plastic, um, plastic blades of grass, but there literally is no blades of grass. Um, and look, I, I don't think there's anything we can do or anybody can do about it between now and the end of the season. But how... And also, I, I just kind of noticed, you know, like Derry did play, pick up a couple of players uh, on loan. Uh, you know, the young O'Neill lads, I think he came from... Fulham. Leitner. Fulham, was it Fulham? Yeah. Like, what homework have Fulham done on Derry City's pitch to allow their players to go on loan there, to play football there? And again, that's you know, like not blaming Derry City, but like, how are you doing your homework and you're letting players go out and loan? How much do they value that young O'Neill fella and let him go and play on a pitch like that when they've got the probably the highest injury rate in the league? And it's no coincidence. Like, we've had three players now between the senior game and the under 19 game, or Sean McIntyre. Nobody on the pitch and does his knee. It's because nobody plays the grass in certain parts of the pitch, playing on concrete. And when you're playing a game, when you're, there's a difference between training and, and uh, a proper and that level of intensity you know it's just it's just mind-boggling it's just so like I'm actually in bad form <laughs> the last couple of days because I feel so bad for the lads and I feel bad for the club and everything and it's, it's, as I said earlier on there it's kind of human side of football and how the fuck they're expected to play football on that it's just fucking mind-boggling but it's so not frustrating even- it's not even just from an opposition point of view. You know, it's not it's not a bitterness or anything. You know, there's we're just saying no, oh, there's no bitterness. We would do the one game one all the bitterness comes from I suppose players getting injured and then put in at, at harm's risk. That's where I, I think 
Jerry, what I'm saying is like it's not a case of you know opposition fans have just been bitter about you know Derry having so much money or anything. Their own fans hate the pitch. Yeah, like their own fans are giving out about the pitch. I'm sure the manager is tearing his hair out because his injury list is mounting up every week, and it's all stupid injuries, hamstrings, groins, ankles. They're all connected with that pitch. And he's losing countless players. Like, And at the end of the day, as, as we all know, and we're already alluding to it here, managers' heads go on the chopping board quicker than players will ever go on the, on the chopping board. And if he's missing players, results are going to falter and he's gone out the door. And if that was to happen because of your, home, your pitch is a disgrace, that must be very, very frustrating. And we're and we're now the, we're fe- feeling the effects of it as well. Like we don't have a right back because of that pitch. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind. But I was I was actually I was saying to somebody the other day, you know, when you're trying to think who could you get to fill in a right back for a few weeks or whatever like that, and I was saying Sean McIntyre could be a good shout for like he's a quick turn of pace, you know, for, from a standing start like for a bit of recovery speed some of like that, and he played right back a few times. For the 19s. So it's it's like, you know, people were giving out at the start about Boylan being signed. Boylan signed him. Like, he would look like a stroke of genius now at this stage if he had got injured. But it just seems like that position is cursed at the minute. There was Pangs but a Hulu on it when he left that jersey. And just looking through the report here in the Derry Journal, and do you know, like, this is safety has been used. The, it was installed in 2018. It's been used 35 hours a week. The council have gone from making 11,000 euro per 11,000 pounds per year to 80,000 pounds per year. Um, and it just goes on to say how the club, um, I do want to get it replaced, but it also touches on then where the FEI talk about, um, health and safety and, and the player welfare. And for me, I know I said it about three times now, there's a human side to this where, you know, lads are in the prime of their career or it could be a crucial part time in their career where they want to impress and, and move on or whatever the case may be. And it's just, it's just, it's a killer. On Sean McIntyre, um, he came on, he, or he played the full game against that loan, but I think he ended up playing the latter parts of the game at right back, like what you're saying there, Shane. And he was very, very good. He's he's very, very pacey. He's very quick. Um, and he'd suit probably the way we play in terms of right back now at the moment. But again, that's his opportunity then. You know, it's just, it's a killer. Sorry, you know, for touching on the opposition a wee bit too much here, but you even think about, you know, Dave Colin Whelan coming back from a really bad knee injury. Yeah. And, like, you know, he's coming back to playing that. He's got to be shitting it himself, like. Yeah. I was just thinking it there myself, like, what do the likes of, we'll say, Bulger and Moran when they're not playing every day? They must be shitting it going out to the pitch as well, thinking, like, are there really, like, is, is any player who, who's had previous injuries like that going out to a pitch like that where they know the injury record of that pitch, like, are you ever really able, able to give 100% in a game? Like, like surely it's, it's, I'd say that's why Derry's home form is so poor anyway, probably, because, like, surely, like, they know how bad the pitch is. Like, there'll be moments where it's in your head, like, oh, I'm not going into that tackle, right? Not, I'm not going into that situation because it's, I could uh, end up in a an awkward spot there and get a twist on the knee or, like, like, O'Sullivan, like, O'Sullivan's, O'Sullivan's one came from like a lad trying to make a tackle on from behind, wasn't it? And once you yeah. get wrap around the legs, like you get stuck in the turf, you're in bother. Like, yeah, there's no giving the turf, you see. So, oh, yeah, you've no uh, 
you've no buffer zone, I suppose, to speak. You know, like whereas if that's on a, a grass pitch, yeah, your foot and your studs might go into the ground, but there's a bit of give in the in the turf yeah. where there's not not with that. Um, but even going back to yeah, even going back to Conor O'Grady, I think open Dundalk, that's he broke his I think he broke his ankle uh the first time he played on the Dundalk pitch up there. And he said it was just fucking that's gone back a long time, but this isn't an overnight sens- sensation either. And I think as a country, uh and as uh, as a sport, we've become completely obsessed with um astroturf pitches. Um it's just like it's like a race to who can get the next one up and running. Whereas sure. as a as a club, you know, maybe clubs need to reevaluate that at every level. Like, you know, look, they're great for training and things like that, but I know we spoke about it here as well about McSharry Park previously and everybody lauding how brilliant it was. There was another AstroTurf pitch going in, whereas, you know, I far would have preferred to see, um, you know, a good multi-use grass pitch going in, you know, maybe with the the hybrid uh, synthetic, you know, uh, grass that you can add to it, but it's it's essentially a grass pitch, but more durable. Um, like, that, uh, look, and I know the reason why they're putting in plastic pitches all over the place because they're, there's supposed to be low maintenance, but I think as part of that, the low maintenance doesn't mean any maintenance. Um, and if the likes of Derry are playing 35 hours a week on the pitch, when do they time get the time to brush the bloody thing or anything else? As for that matter, you know. So I think we need to, and I know obviously UEFA are are, are pulling up sticks with the with the the progression of, of plastic pitches and it's going to come to an end. So in my opinion, it's it can only be a good thing. There is a certain there is a certain, I suppose, uh, place for them in terms of training, but I hate the bloody things. It should be in the license, though. They should be allowed to get a license for that. That's the... Mm-hmm. Like, until until there's some proper funding, government, down as far as schoolboy level and everything, like, the fact... The, the figures you just wrote out there a few minutes ago, Jerry, with the... The, the Derry Council went from 11,000 to 80,000 a year. That's why the pitches have been put in all over the place. It's to yeah. make money on them. Yeah. And, and so unless, think there's unless, no maintenance or anything like that. It's yeah. just, just money for nothing. Up. Yeah. Could so it be that because there, Jerry, though, about like I suppose that there's more. Just say for a, a, a local club, yeah, there's more traffic on the pitch than before. They're like there's more teams. Like there's under thirty some clubs might have three under thirteen teams if they're fortunate to have that. Or you know, there's two or two teams at a lot of age groups. <clears throat> so like as was it at a at junior level, it's you can train on it and you can play on it at the same time. Yeah. Well, it is all about the maintenance side as well. I get that point as well. But there's no it, there's no problem in my opinion, there's no problem with uh maybe not non, but very limited contact uh training on the Astro. That's that that's fine. It's 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 not fine. Obviously, there'll be situations where, like, you run an astro and you, you see it off, there'll be nobody near a fella and you go down, turn it on his own or something like that. It's just the nature of the beast, like. But I think it should be outlawed for any sort of games. That's I think proper funding should be in from the government, the FBI, whatever, that all clubs in the country, schoolboy clubs, to have a proper facility to play on on a Saturday or Sunday morning. That's, albeit they want to train during the weekend, the astro, that's fine. But when it comes to matches, when it comes to in, the intense stuff, I think people and kids especially, uh, welfare has to be taken into account. Like, the, the things are a danger. The proof is the button. You see all the injuries. You trace back people's injuries on astral pitches compared to grass pitches, and you know the result. I think everybody knows what the result would be. 
it's they're just a danger to people's welfare. But kids, and, kids are spoilt as well now. Um, like I know from my own kids, like, um, where where are we playing Saturday? Oh, we're playing uh in Mitchell Carly Park, where we're playing on Marvel Main Pitch, and they're pissing and moaning because they don't want to play on grass because it's too difficult. Um, they want to be playing on a nice shiny surface where the ball runs through. They get a touch. They don't get. Do you know what I mean? Um, so they're pissing them off when they have to play on a grass pitch, which is. So I know there's a place for pitches, like for junior clubs. You know, because obviously the weather in this country isn't great. But my, I suppose the original point I was saying was that we've completely become obsessed with them, and like, how many plastic pitches do we end up needing? Like every pitch that's been built these days is a plastic pitch, and it's like a race to who can build the next best one the most up-to-date one but nobody's actually thinking well hold on a second here we don't Sligo doesn't need how many fucking plastic pitches do we have now right? we don't need that many we've not more, when was the last grass pitch was built sorry we're good I was just saying there's more in the pipeline Jerry coming down to yeah down. absolutely I see planning permission in for them there only a couple of yeah. weeks ago it's just there has to be some sort of like how many plastic pitches do Sligo Leitrim need and look, None. at the end of the day, they need to be ripped up at some stage and replaced. Money has to, you might be making 80 grand, but you want to be saving that, the guts that I have to pay for the next surface to come along to replace it. And I suppose the final point, lads, is there's break now for, there's no game now for two weeks until the Bowes game on the 1st of April. Um, Sean, I suppose, it, the six games that we've played so far this season leaves us in fourth on nine points. It's a, it's been a, I suppose a good start to the season. You would have taken that before any ball was kicked at the start of the season. Absolutely. Bite your hand off for it, to be honest with you, Ronan. Um, it's a great building block for the season going forward. Uh, we've left this, we're, we're leaving ourselves in a really good position, so we are. Um, some good results throughout that. Yeah, possibly could have picked up one or two points, maybe more, maybe against Cork or probably Drada. But all in all, I think we're we're in a really good place, and I think it. I think we're in a really good place, but also it's based off the back of really good performances. I think we've seen the building blocks are a really good side. It's not just fluky results or anything like that. It's, you know, I think it's um, the building blocks are in place here for for this team, and I think with um, you know, we've seen the emergence of Anna Clancy coming into the side and a few other young lads coming through and the new signings integrating into the team. A lot has come together a lot quicker than I expected, to be honest. And for us to be even in the top four at this stage is, is really positive. And to be honest with you, we're not... having watched nearly everyone else as well. I don't see too much of a difference between us and anyone else. You know, we've nearly played them all now at this stage. Um, anyone who I consider will be a top team. Like I see Dundalk, you know, they're obviously in third, but... You know, looking at their squad now, I don't see them hanging on for that long. I think they will fall away. I think they're a very, very threadbare squad, really, to be honest. I think they've only really 13 or 14 players. So it'll be hard for them to hang on, whereas we see a full squad and we're getting the full use of a squad. You know, you see the substitutions throughout games. It's, you know, it's always positive. It's always affecting the game in the right manner. Uh, there's lads getting minutes here there and as we were saying earlier there's still lads that need to get more minutes you know when have we ever been in a situation like that where you're talking about quality footballers not needing to get minutes and usually it's a case of them just being automatic starters for us but 
so far it's been really positive and really good and I think that point emphasises that because you can go right back to the start of the podcast there now and look at as Jerry came on and says you know he's disappointed we didn't get the win you know so that point was a really really good point away in Derry but it's also nearly a case of two points dropped so I think it's going to be a mad league this year Um, I think everybody thought at the start which is understandable that um that Derby and Sean Rovers would run away with the league, whereas it's completely wide open. Um, and to be fair, I was kind of, I'm still, I was well, I can't see Derry and, and Sean running away with it now, but I would love to see them nearly running away with it. That they were taking points off teams in and around us, like Dundalk, Pats, uh, Bowes, um, and what we're about six games in now or whatever, but. You know, with LOI TV as well, you kind of get uh, you're back to seeing games that you wouldn't have seen say last season. So, uh, like I watched the Shams versus Pat's game on St Patrick's Day, the earlier game. And look, I think Sean Growers will come good. Um, but it's great. Like is is Sean is there saying like neither the two of them like you know like I know we play Pat's, but you won't be saying wow Shams are gonna fucking kill us or whatever the case may, may be as well. Uh, I watched Bose a couple of times as well. Um, I think they're okay. I Fair fair juice to them. They've won, what, five out of six. Um, but I don't think that they're that much better than us, if at all. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a mad league. It's how, how it's going to end up, you know, I don't know. I think Sham Rovers will still come good and still win the league. But as for the next... Three or four, you know, it's all up in the air and it'll be exciting. And it's great to have six kids played, Magoo, but something to be looking forward to now after the international break. It might probably be team the, the longest two weeks of the year so far. Yeah, that's that's always a good sign, isn't it? When you're eager to get back at it straight away, you're ripping it with a two week break. But just like the boys were saying, I think the signs so far have been really good. Uh, well, the fact you know, we've played. Our three best performances, I think, have been Shams, Pats and Derry, who were, I think, to predict the top three by everybody. You know, the, the games we probably should have, as Shaw mentioned, maybe picked up more against Drada and Cork. Uh, it's, I think it's no surprise, us being a fairly new team with a lot of new players as well, that, you know, we, we probably struggled. Like, the teams like Shams and Pats, they let us play. So the good players that we have, which we do have, have the freedom to express themselves and good players will always show themselves if they're given time and space. I think later on, as the season goes on, when we're playing the likes of Drada, uh, Cork again, Shells, whoever, uh, UCD even, teams that want to sit in and stuff, the more we're integrating these new players and the more we're working on the training ground with patterns of play and formations and against the formations, that'll come to the fore, I think, later on in the season. We'll be able to deal with them, the likes of them better as well. So I think, as Sean was saying, again, with all the new players, lads who have, even Stefan, Bob, then, these are what we haven't seen what they can really do yet. I think there is a lot to look forward to, and I mean, we can't wait to get back after two weeks. Yeah. And two good games coming up, both and off. You know what I mean? Lads who will be in around us, we respect to be in around us in the table. So it'll, it'll give us a good in- indication. There's a lot to look forward to, yeah. Now it's time for your shouts from the shed end. Don't forget, after each game, we ask for your shouts from the shed end via WhatsApp voice note. 
to 085-815-9767 or on email to podcast at borst.ie and we can hear those now. Well, lads, uh, James here from Gurchin slash Galway. Um, just after watching the Derry game there, what a performance. I think um, that performance and that grit that we showed tonight really shows what this team is capable of. Um, we were absolutely fantastic, um, especially to go through losing Johan and then losing his replacement in Carlos Sullivan as well due to the shock and surface that's in Derry. And it's the exact same in Oriel. It should be banned. It's a disgrace. Um, but what a performance. Um, I think we were we were unlucky in ways. Um, I think that, that um, opportunity that Bogdan had there um, was, oh, was a golden opportunity and you'd have put any money on anyone to finish it. Like, um, But, you know, what was it, 13, 14 corners conceded, they're bound to make something of it. And unfortunately, it was, uh, it was the corner that they scored from. But I thought, to be fair, considering they had that goal chalked off in the first half and like that was just a disgrace from the ref as per usual I think every time I send in a voice note to you and complain about the referees and that, that's you know like again that is one of the worst decisions I've seen in a long time and um, to pull it pull that back you know to not play advantage for that is absolutely criminal and also I think we were incredibly incredibly lucky not to be down to 10 um, I think John Mahan should consider himself a, a lucky boy, but I think we were absolutely solid. Um, you know, they gave Nando the man of the match on uh, RT, and I think he was well deserving of it. I thought Hartman was just, oh, he was brilliant, especially in the first half. He was just electric. He was making a fool out of their left back. Um, I just thought, like, come after watching that game, I know you feel a little bit disappointed or whatever but like if you said to me before the game that we would have taken a point above in Derry I'd have been absolutely delighted um, and as I said the performance is really really something we can build on I thought we were immense um, and showed great great uh, great and determination to um, to come through that having had the two injuries to the lads so fingers crossed now Johan and Carl aren't that injured and um, you know it's not too bad I know we already have um Gary Boylan out injured who would have played right back he would have been um, Johan's cover so you know fingers crossed it's not too serious but it didn't didn't look great anyway but uh, anyways thanks a million lads and uh, into the international break we go this is Sean from America going into the game you take a draw going up to Derry uh, but the way it played out feels kind of like we dropped two points but we'll take the one and uh, move on the game plan, uh, the boys executed it perfection. Um, I don't think we gave them a sniff really after the first 20 minutes, and uh, you know, kind of unlucky for us to concede that set piece goal. But um, I thought after we scored our goal, we were excellent. And uh, what can you say? I mean. Bit of a let off, but everybody put in a, an amazing shift, and I thought um, we weren't carrying anybody. Uh, hopefully, the uh, injuries to both our right backs won't uh, derail the season, and uh, we move on to the next one uh, after the break. Up the Rovers.
That's your shout, Michelle. And don't forget, after the Bose game on the 1st of April, we can hear your opinions after the game. It's a WhatsApp voice note on 085-815-9767 or on email to podcast at brst.ie. Right, lads, beer scorecast time now. Uh, we give away two cases of the White Hag Land Packs for the away game, the 1-1 draw against Derry. And our winners were Paul Finnerty and Skincenzo Molinari. So well done, lads. There is a case of the White Hag going to both of you. We'll also have two cases to give away for the next game, which is against Bose on the 1st of April. So we'll give that plenty of advertising beforehand and you can be in a chance of winning some White Hag beer if you get the score prediction correct in that game. Right, I'm delighted to say now we're joined by Sligo Rovers Chairman Tommy Higgins. First of all, you're very welcome along, Tommy. Good evening. Delighted well, to be here, lads. So, Tommy, um, I suppose first point we can touch on is a few weeks ago we saw the, the granting of the planning permission. Can you bring us up to speed on how things are going on that front. Yeah, look, we were delighted. We got it through in record time, 10 weeks, uh, but we did all the homework in advance. Uh, we you know we had various meetings with the council. We did everything right. Um, you know, we, we followed all the guidelines, uh, which also shows that, the you know, there's great goodwill out there for the club. There were no objections uh, to them, to them, to the application. And uh, then you have to wait for a period of four weeks to see is any outside uh, objections. And that could be the likes of somebody in Kerry or in Wexford, could, the way the planning laws are, could object on environmental grounds or snails or badgers or anything like that. But thankfully, we had nothing like that. And it's uh, we, we sailed through. It's a huge boost because it now means we can fully qualify for um, public funding. You have to have full planning permission for, for, for public funding. And uh, we have a pathway now to going after the funding. Uh, our next move is to uh, go for um, what we call detailed design. That's you know down to the seats, down to the, the <coughs> type of excuse me, the type of tile tiles you put into the into the building, the doors, all that. And you have to go out to tender to all those because when you apply for public funding, you have to go to tender for everything. So uh, it's quite a detailed. Thing, and it takes quite a number of months. So we're ho- hoping to have all that done by the end of this year. And then we're, we're, we're led to believe that at the end of uh, 2023, our early first quarter of 2024, the large-scale government um, uh, uh, fund comes out. That's the big money where we'll be going for. So uh, everything is going to plan and maybe a little bit ahead of plan. And considering we got the planning permission without sail through it uh it's very very encouraging and all the indications that we've got from government whatever um uh, that we'll be looked at favorably so and my view is there is that they better have a good excuse not to give it to us so uh you know but i think we deserve it i think you know, you know we're, we're flying the flag here a community-based club provided an awful lot of um a lot of good and goodwill uh, running again, we went through this earlier at our meeting tonight. You know, we're running eight or nine clubs, uh, teams, very expensive. You know, send a bus to Cork or send a bus to Wexford. 
We have the women's team, uh, and, and it's great. And that's the way we have to be. You have to be uh, uh, fully inclusive for, for both. So it's, it's expensive to run the club. So that's the way we see the future going of. I, I honestly believe that we'll increase, vastly increase our attendances if you provide the facilities for people. Yeah, and I think as well, like, as you said there, Tommy, you know, um, as a community run club like we we definitely do need a turn from the from the government and i suppose once we've done everything that we possibly can up to now it's it's great to see us that that we're ahead of the schedule and i suppose going back to the game there the last night against um cork city you know was a wasn't a great night in terms of weather and that and uh still the attendances were were massive but you know i suppose we need to get basic things like you know a roof over people's heads and and decent stadia that they can enjoy the game and like at the moment you're kind of at the mercy of the, the weather gods at times I, I agree Jerry. remember I came from the entertainment industry and everywhere that anybody you know upgraded their facilities uh, and provided good um, good facilities for people and having a good night out people come out in droves it's it's you know I've seen it so many times all across Europe I've seen it when yeah. when if you even look at here you know the the point. The point then was uh, expanded, and now it's one of the best. It's now the three arena in Dublin. That's one of the best uh, um, arenas in the world. So if you if you put put the the investment into it, you will be rewarded for it. Yeah, and because... there's been underinvestment in the League of Ireland for years. But I'd have to say, Jerry, at this say the FAI have been hugely supportive to us. They've been very very good, and I think without them at this stage. We would not be going to the next phase of our of our um, of our development. So that's, yeah, that's great. Uh, and I know a lot of people have always been given out about the FA, but I can't say nothing but good about them for us. They've been very supportive. They see us being a flagship operation for a club operating, and especially for um, you know a community based club. There's only a couple of us ourselves involved now, but they've been very very supportive. And how to say that? Yeah, yeah, and it's great to hear things like that coming. Um, you know, from the FEI that, you know, they, they, that they're they're being supportive and they're they're coming on board, and it's great to hear things like that and and that type of leadership within the association. So it's great to hear, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, just touching on uh, something you're saying there is just in terms of you know attracting the crowds in further um, with the expansion of the stadium and everything. Are we still going to aim for it to be a you know, a real family event as such, you know, and nearly like a, like a night out, I suppose, you know, where there could be a bar involved still, you know, where we can attract in people earlier into the ground, spend a few more quid within the ground. And well, well, there will be a restaurant. Yeah, well, there will be a restaurant there. And the aim is there to have that run on seven days a week so people can go in for their lunch. And you see, we're among the chimney pots there. And, uh, you know, the the... And that's the idea. Even the council really are very supportive as well because they see what can happen. We're in a great position. We have parking. We have everything there. And uh, I want to see that, uh, you know, the showgrounds operate seven days a week where you can pop in for your lunch or your coffees or people out for a walk and pop in for a coffee. There, there will be a restaurant there. Hmm. So, um, yes. Uh, and if you look at the trends, you, we've been out and about, like, like uh, some of you that went over to Stavanger and... Uh, you know, up on Motherwell, it's 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 about the match day experience. Absolutely. Uh, no matter what level you're at, if you go up as far as the Emirates or Old Trafford, the amount of activity that's going on there is extraordinary. And I'm very encouraged, you know, from the start of the season, 
uh, the amount of families that are going to the show and the young kids and you know all that massive interest. You know, we we see it in the in the tickets the younger people coming to the game, and uh, more families coming, more females coming, and uh, the the women's team has been a huge help in attracting that as well. You know, so um, um, so that that yes, so having a match day experience and uh, the, there's nothing we've changed, uh, Donald. That was in the original feasibility study that we've done. We get down now then when we get down what I call to them. The nitty gritty of doing the um, the detailed design. We'll have more consultation with you know with the fans and where I, I see safe standing being a big feature uh, coming forward. You know, pe some people like to stand, but then you can flip down the seats and you can see something that you need for European matches, etc. That'll be you a know? that'll be a real positive going forward. I think if we could get this ah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially sort of if you know to include maybe the Forza section you know oh. where they'd like to stand as such and you know to give yeah. them that platform to have that ability to stand or sit and if people you know yeah. in the, within, sit within the same area as them that maybe just might want to stand as such but they have that option i think that's that's really positive to have that i know there'll be loads of consultation with everybody because that that you know we we, we did the planning now jerry was involved with the start from the start when we got on with this and uh, i'm i'm very confident in what we've done so far, done a, done a good job and getting it to this date. It took on an enormous amount of work now, you know, so, and uh, a lot of people helping out and everybody putting their shoulder to the wheel. And, uh, but I must say Rattigans, the architects were brilliant as well too, and uh, who did the job. And I say, God, it, it is no mean feat to get a stadium through in the center of a town uh, in 10 weeks, you know, so yeah. that part of it was, uh, but goodwill from everybody. You know. yeah. But uh, we'll have more consultation now when we get down to the nitty-gritty of where the fours will go, where this go, where we put the seats, all that sort of stuff will be in the next phase over the next number of months. But it's great to see as well, as you know, as you said there, Tommy, just about having the stadium uh, between the the um, the chimney tops. You know, I think that's the trend as well that's happening within football where stadia has been redeveloped rather than kind of building stadiums on the edge of cities or towns where it's kind of almost you know disconnected from the community like having a stadium in in the center of town is, is unreal like even see the likes of the Bernabeu and places like that I know that's kind of a di different uh, universe but like you know it's probably easier for them to build out of town than redevelop that stadium and you know the the new camp all these places even Places like Nottingham Forest, I know they're looking to redevelop their stadium, and they're they will want to stay on the in the city centre on the the banks of the Trent there. Like so, definitely is the right thing to. And we're in a fortunate position that we can, you know, we have a great site there and great facilities already, and and just adding to it, it'd be brilliant. And I think as well the product on the the pitch, the the League of Ireland, um, the games are just fabulous games, um, and it's getting better and better all the time, and is, I yeah. think that's that's helping the crowds too. So. If we can get the stadium in place, and we will, uh, mm. it's going to be a fantastic product for the Northwest and West. But it also, if you look at the location, I mean, you can walk up from the train station. So people, yeah. we, 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 it's happening already, you know, uh, attracting away supporters. Uh, we could have sold twice the amount of um, tickets for the Shamrock Rovers end uh, the last time. We didn't have the space or we couldn't. We wouldn't dislocate the force. We could have given them that whole stand. We wouldn't do it because that's they're, they're, they're part of it. But the new stadium, we'd have more room to move about and we'd be able to plan that in advance. But I see the time that if there's ever 
uh, an away game where supporters want to come to. They'll want to come to Sligo because they know that it's a it's a great it's a great um, location. And also, if you're coming in from um, you know from outside the town, you have the, the you just slip off the, the the road the Dublin road there and slip up and you're on the showgrounds in two minutes. You know, mm-hmm. off the main road. So from people driving. And people coming by train or by bus. If you're coming in anywhere by bus, uh, on, on, you know you're beside the railway station and the the bus station. So our location is first class, yeah. and it makes one it easy. One thing that actually struck me was um, was the goodwill from uh, fans of other clubs around the country. Like they were delighted to see the plan of permission go through, and there was no kind of like, oh, I suppose. I'm sure they were jealous to a certain extent, but they were delighted to see it because they do really enjoy uh, coming to Sligo and coming to the showground. So, again, um, you know, it's probably way fans most look forward to trip is coming to Sligo. So we can only that'll only be added to, and it's great for for the town and for the region because you know it brings money into town. But as the league is, you know, I also believe that the league is sort of it's a it's a secret. And if you look at the crowds, last Friday, every place was sold out, which means they would have fit more. And as you put up the sold out signs, it only makes people more um, eager to, yeah. to, to go to the next time. And uh, I see more and more of that. I see Derry, I think now, I think they're going to expand that stadium. With the council is going to do that at the, the two ends, so they're going to increase the capacity. Uh, that's far too small, small for, you know, there'll be 150,000 people living within. 10 minutes of Derby, you know, the big population there. And uh, Cork, look at the crowds there again. Shamrock Rovers had, what, 7,000 or something last week against Pats? Yeah. Uh, but so, yes, I, I think that the, the league will continue to improve. And as the, uh, what I call it, the, the, you know, the, the, the enthusiasm for people. And as I said, the, the stuff that's going on on the pitch. The product on the pitch is first class. They're exciting, they're good, and all the games are quite good, you know, at present. I also think, uh, Tommy, as well, a huge amount of credit has to go to the likes of yourself in the committee, and I know Jerry's involved there as well. And that is what you've developed over the last couple of years in the showgrounds is something to take a huge amount of pride in for us as, as supporters and as a community. In terms of what you what's been built up with the academy lately, in terms of how you know you have Conor Grady in there in a full time role, like I think he's one of four, is it? Mm, yeah. And as a an academy full time academy um, overseer there, and then you have the ladies academy, and then you have the ladies first team. <coughs> All that generates then going forward in with building this new stadium, as you're saying, as attracting supporters into the ground because. All those kids, there's parents there that are yeah. going to end up supporting the club, and it's all a continuum moving yeah. forward and bringing people in. And I just think that's, I think it just gets overlooked a little bit too quickly, as in what's gone on at grassroots, so to speak. And it's not just all about the senior team, there's a lot more to it. Oh, yeah. If, like if you're up there on a, on a weekend there, and the buses, you know, three, two or three or four buses heading off. Around the country, you know, I, I, people talk about mental health. I think Sligo Rovers is an awful lot for mental health compared with some institutions because the feel good factor. I mean, the last summer was just outstanding. The feel good factor from those European games, and even the, the you know the home games that we had this season, you can understand. There's a buzz about, but um, especially I'm, I'm I'm watching the young people. I'm watching the female elements. 
the amount of females that are coming to the games, and uh, that's because we have the, the, the women's teams. So just to give, to, to, you, know, you mentioned there the academy. When we were up at Stavanger, they were telling me there that they get €2 million Euros a year from the government just for the academy alone in Stavanger. You know, now I know it's an oil-rich country, and I know there's endless money about it, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when we were going through the expenses there tonight at, at our meeting, and the cost of keeping all those teams in the road, the cost of running buses around the country, it's absolutely massive. You know, so um, hopefully that that will improve, you know, and, and that governments see that uh, the amount of good clubs like ourselves and other clubs are, uh, are doing for the community and doing for the, 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 the mental health of people. It's, it's, a, it's a great escape. Well, we're launching a, a, a fundraising. It's, it's, it's quite unusual. It's both a fundraising campaign and a, a, health, a health walk as well for, for, for people. So we're launching a 50-kilometre walk in, on, in, that you can do it over 30 days. And uh, you can walk, swim, cycle, run, whatever way you want to do it. It'll be on social media. So you dial in to uh, log into www.50kmchallenge.ie. It'll be launched on Wednesday. And uh, it'll run for a month or maybe five weeks or so. Uh, we're also partnering with the HSE, uh, the Atlantic uh, University, and uh, Sligo Sports and Rec Recreation. What we want to get, you know, families out and on. The evenings are getting long now. The, the clock goes forward at the end of this week uh, and getting people out. Put on your walking shoes and get out and you can um, donate. And I think it's also a good opportunity, <coughs> excuse me, for Sligo Rover supporters all over the world. And they can post, if you're in San Francisco, you can post showing your walk on the San Francisco, on the bridge. And if you're in Dubai or Sydney or whatever, I think it's a good opportunity for Sligo Rover supporters everywhere around the world to can participate in this. So I hope everybody joins in. Put on your walking shoes. Head out www.50kmchallenge.ie and you will you will see all about it and hear all about it over the next number of days. Yeah, that's great because like I suppose again, the more people that get involved, uh, and the more friends and family to get involved, and um, the more. Uh, money that we can raise and that can go towards the, the development of the showgrounds and uh, academy teams and things like that so mm. um unfortunately we don't have a sugar daddy to, to throw the money into the into the mix so um yeah so every every little counts is uh tesco would say yeah i, 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 I mentioned tesco tonight we're looking for a deal with them other supermarkets <laughs> are available <laughs> but you know that it, it, it's I, I love the, the model that we have, you know, and for everybody, you know, we're all on the one level in, in this, in, in the game. And for my thing, I had experience being out and about in the entertainment business and giving something back to the club uh, from the experience that you have. But everybody that's attached to the club, all the committee members, uh, there's a very good atmosphere there. There's a very good um, work ethic from everybody. And everybody is in this for the club. And we're just custodians holding on to the next generation comes along, you know. And then you have to bear in mind that the, the wonderful people in the past who kept the club going, kept the club going from you know 1928, and had the fabulous vision to buy the showgrounds, which is unbelievable. We wouldn't be able to do what we're doing that we have the showgrounds there. And it's um, you know it's I I I. I 
it's you know Sligo Rovers. It's, it's just an institution, and uh, everybody's doing it for the love of the club. That's the reality. Thank you, Sean. Thanks a million, boys. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Ronan. And thank you, Magoo. I heard those thousands of Cheers, Sligo people. Cheers, boys. Proud. I'm going to help them one. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. I was looking back on it. It was a, it was a disappointing defeat.